We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. From the capital of the South and Running City, USA, and of course, the host of the 2020 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials, this is the Run ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino. I am your most fortunate host. I am alongside my co-host, D2 Dolomite Dave Martinez. The fun rolls on this month as we get ready for the trials quickly approaching. Oh yeah, and I'm excited. I mean, this is and I think we've said it before, this is kind of like running Super Bowl and I'm getting, you know, amped for everything that's going on that week. I was looking at the calendar and these events are popping up with vendors and athletes, you know, leading up to um the trials and it's exciting. I'm I'm like I'm I, if if I can make it, I will make it to these events. Um I'm already kind of putting an out of office, you know, message on my email inbox. That is awesome. And it's funny. I was in Southern California the night of, just to be clear, wasn't at the Oscars, but it was in Southern California. And they just happened to be on a TV in the background of where I was having some dinner. And I made the comment, I'm like, this is nothing compared to what we have at the end of next month at the time. You know, it was certainly thinking about February 29th, really this month now. And they thought I was joking. I'm not joking. For us, this is far better than having the Oscars in our backyard. I don't care what anybody says. L.A. can have the Oscars. We have the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials this year. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we, we're excited about it. And we've got, you know, obviously, we've, we sort of kind of partner up with Saucony. So we've got a lot of events um, leading up to the trials. Um, we've got events at all of our stores. So you can check our website and our events uh, page, and we'll have a link uh, on our show notes. But we've got group runs with Saucony, and they're giving away some nice, nice gear. I, I believe they're you know, giving away some shoes and even some electronics, like headphones and some stuff like that, based on what I was able to see. So if, if you can make it out to one of our stores, every store will have a group run with Saucony you know, in the weeks leading up. It's like you're gonna get you're gonna have a good time. Well, and we have been talking rightfully so about the 29th. There's also a lot going on on February 27th yes. with Saucony and Midtown. Give us some of the details there, if you would, please. So obviously, you know, we'll have a group run. We're calling it kind of like the endorphin lunch launch and run. A little play on uh, a lunch and run. Um, you know, um, you know, having some fun there. Sure. And um, so basically, for those that don't know, and this is kind of you know, Saucony has been working on the shoe now for a couple of years. It's the endorphin pro and. This is kind of their answer to what, you know, Nike has kind of, you know, had for the last couple of years. And, you know, if you followed anything in the running world industry, there's been a little bit of controversy between the technology and, and, and shoe technology and if it's, if it's unfair advantage or not. And all that's kind of been settled for the most part at this point. But Saucony is, is releasing their Endorphin Pro exclusively in Atlanta, exclusively in Big, at Big Peach Running Company in Midtown. It's not going to be available anywhere else until June, where it will be released globally. And we will have uh, pairs of the shoe available, but we'll also have the entire, you know, I think, Saucony team that will be running, including Jared Ward, Molly Huddle. We're also going to have a couple of the product team members that help develop this shoe so that we'll have athletes there for, for you know, obviously meet and greet, you know, Q&As with them, but also with those that kind of 
put this shoe together and it can, can tell you a little bit more about the technology that went into it. And I've read Jared Ward's blog on his involvement with this shoe and kind of what his perception was as they were developing it. And I gotta say, I'm excited about it. I mean, I'm like, I'm reading Jared Ward's, you know, words on this and just how it just kind of puts a smile on his face and the, the chances that he has and how more confidence he has running the shoe in Atlanta. I'm, 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 I'm a fan of Jared's now. I'm, I'm pulling for him. That's awesome. And as everybody now knows, Jared Ward, a recent conversation here on the Run ATL Podcast D2. For those who are perhaps not as interested in world-class athletes or perhaps even a sneak peek or unique access to cutting-edge product, I've recently seen the orders for the food and beverage for that Thursday evening, February the 27th, in our Midtown store. If you just like refreshments and you like good food, food, snacks, and great conversation and company. You will not want to miss what we have going on. Like D2 said, you can find all the details on our website or on our social pages. Certainly share those with your friends, invite them to come out and join us on that evening. The other thing I'll say, I don't know if there'll be any of these left. We're doing this while supplies last. And that is we have been talking about our VIP viewing party very scarce. That is how I would give you indication of what's left in terms of the tickets to the VIP viewing party. Saucony has made a limited number available only to be acquired through gift with purchase of Saucony inside any of our stores. In this case, you do not need to come down to Midtown. The new Convara D2, I know you were excited about that. That just released. Yep. The Triumph, that's the shoe I'm going to be wearing in the marathon for the common person on Sunday, the 1st of March, and other shoes that have long been part of that core portfolio of Saucony. If you make a purchase of a pair of Saucony shoes. Please indicate to whomever it is on our team who checks you out if there are any VIP viewing party slots left. If there are, one is yours for sure. We would love to see. Of course, D2 and I will be there in Midtown for that VIP viewing party. We'll be there the entire time. Just one more cool thing that we've got going on this month. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, and like you said, you mentioned the food for Thursday. I mean, there's obviously going to be food and drink on, on, uh, on Saturday as well. So there'll be, uh, you know, we're right on the course. You know, our store is, you know, serendipitously you know, you know whatever word. well yeah. done on the big word I know. serendipitously um in front and on the marathon course so we will see the athletes come by six times um we'll also have flat screen monitors there so that when they're not you know running across you know our, our, our storefront that we'll be able to then see them through a, the live broadcast there'll be you know food you know, and plenty of beverages of uh, the adult uh, fashion that will be flowing because we've yes. got partnered with Wild Heaven. They'll be out there, and uh, it's, it should be it's it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun for sure, and at the same time, we've got fun to do right now. We've got an episode that we're going to bring to you that actually was a Facebook Live that D2 and I had the good fortune of sitting down and doing with some of our friends. Specifically, since this month, we've dedicated to introducing you or helping all of us better get to know some of the Olympic trials qualifiers. We are bringing you Haley Chura in this episode for all you Bulldog fans out there. She was part of the national championship team for swimming 
of all things a number of years ago. So she certainly has bulldog blood running through her veins, even though she's done most of her training as of late in Montana and out West. One of the things that we'll talk about is that amazing range that she has. She has made the Olympic trials previously for the sport of swimming now has qualified for the trials at the marathon distance. One of the things that was super cool to hear her mention that for swimming, the intention was to be done with the trials event in about two minutes. In this instance, she knows she's going to be over two and a half hours. So that is some incredible range. I said, we got to sit down with friends. That was so true. The Kyle Pease Foundation was part of the fun that evening. As you know, D2, for those of you who are not familiar with the Kyle Pease Foundation, the incredible work they do. We have a couple of broadcasts in our rear view that you should check out and listen to. You can learn more at kylepsfoundation.org. Also, D2, it was cool to run into our friend Matthew Rose from Dynamo Multisport. They've been doing such good work for so long. Matthew, of course, Haley's coach. For those who are interested in learning more about him or about Dynamo Multisport, check out dynamomultisport.com. So it was just a really cool gathering of friends that then we got to open up to the public, hear some really cool things and really insightful things from Haley herself. Yes, that's right. And of course, you know, Haley will also be uh, here, obviously competing in Atlanta on the 29th, but she has an event coming up also um, in the days leading up. And I'll have more details about that after the interview. Awesome. Let's go to that interview, D2. Let's do it unedited. Let's do it right after this very brief message. Do your feet hurt? Feel any discomfort in your joints or lower back when you run? Your shoes might be the root of the problem. Whatever your fitness level, your feet should be comfortable and your shoes shouldn't be the cause of an injury or keep you from achieving your fitness goals. Come into any of our seven Big Peach Running Company locations for a free three-step fit process, including a video gait analysis. Our professional fitters will help get you into shoes that fit so you can enjoy running, walking, or any activity that requires you to be on your feet. Our 100% satisfaction guarantee will give you peace of mind if your new shoes don't live up to your expectations. Simply return them. No problems, no hassles, no time limit. We want to make sure you're completely happy with your shoes so you can achieve your fitness goals. Visit Big Peach Running Company today. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. This is so cool, one of our own. And as we continue on the Run ATL podcast, the celebration that is hosting the Olympic trials here in Atlanta, Georgia, D2. This is an episode I know you have been amped about for quite some time, given the fact that I think when we first got to know each other, I kind of thought of you as a triathlete. Now someone, Olympic trials qualifier, yes, on the run side, also on the swim side and a professional triathlete this is right up your alley yeah so uh when i started working i was a triathlete and mike always kind of gave me that side eye look you know like triathlete you know and then it wasn't until you know i started running a couple ultras that he's like all right you're you're cool so um yeah i'm excited this is kind of cool i mean we've got the olympic uh, marathon trials coming up and it's going to be great for atlanta well and as you know we had one of our good friends brent pease is here with us brent sent me a note we were talking about some things for 2020 and he said have you talked to haley recently and unbelievable and sadly for me, I had not met Haley, not in person. And I said, that would be so cool. Checked out her story, knew immediately we had to get her to come on. So Brent, again, thank you very much. For those of you who are getting to know Brent for the first time, go back and listen to either episode 22 or number 36. He and his brother, what a great podcast.
podcast episode they brought to us each time they were on, and now you join us as a co-host. In fact, I'm going to let you introduce us to Haley. Well, thank you guys for letting me co-host tonight. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here, more excited to leave Kyle on the sidelines for once and not have to share the spotlight, <laughs> but um, really excited at the opportunity to, to share this with Haley and to introduce her to so much of the Run ATL community here. She really doesn't need a lot of introduction for the people in the room, but for everybody else that's joining us, uh, Haley has quite the impressive resume, probably too long. Uh, we'd take up half the podcast if we went through all of her accomplishments, but she's an All-American and national champion swimmer. She's a professional triathlete, a 70.3 champion, an Ironman champion, a two-time swimming Olympic qualifier, and now an Olympic marathon trials qualifier. So I am proud to introduce all of the Run ATL community to Haley Chura. Right on. Yes, you are welcome. We do have, we do have an in-store studio audience. We are in Brookhaven this evening. We're also doing a Facebook Live. For those of y'all that missed it and you're listening to this for the first time, man, did you miss out. And all the things that Brent said, Haley, obviously just that resume so deep. But one of the things that I thought was super cool and I thought would be the right place to start, you said, in fact, I saw it written, so it must be true. It was on the Internet that you just felt right away, literally, as soon as you could think about it, you were meant to be a triathlete. What does that mean? And even as a parent, how can we recognize that? Well, first, I do want to thank Brent for that wonderful intro, because I think I've, I'm going to, when this comes out, I probably will tape that part. And anytime I'm having a bad day, I'll just like play it to myself, <laughs> just to remind myself that Brent thinks I'm, I'm pretty impressive. But um, yeah, I grew up, swimming was my main sport, but I grew up mostly in Montana and Colorado, and I rode a bike a lot, you know, just to get to school or I walked to school. I kind of had that idyllic childhood where everything was close enough and safe enough that you could kind of get there under your own power. And even when I was in high school, I, I, I had this amazing cross-country coach at Fort Collins High School in Colorado. His name's Craig Luckison. He's not coaching there anymore, but he's still a math teacher there. And he knew I was a swimmer. Like, it was very obvious that I was a swimmer, but he let me be part of the cross-country team. And I only ran with the team twice a week, and some days I would put my bike in the back of his truck, and he would give me a ride to the pool after cross-country practice or, you know, get me to the bike path so I could ride to the pool. So I, I give him a lot of credit for instilling this love of running in me, even though I was a swimmer, so that when I, after I graduated from the University of Georgia and I knew my swimming career was over, I knew my athletic career was just, was not, was far from over. So it, it took me a little while to kind of nail out the, you know, figure out those kinks and getting, figuring out how to be a triathlete. But I think in the back of my mind, I always knew that it would be a good sport for me. That's awesome. Obviously, a shout out to Bulldog Nation. That's yes. not only where you went and you did swim, you also a national championship. So you know that thrill of victory. And now that you say, gosh, you know what? I just knew that I wasn't finished as an athlete. And yet you're a month out from the Olympic trials at the marathon distance. What is it that you think about in these last few weeks as you make your final preparations? I'm really trying to just embrace the experience and enjoy every day because my first Olympic trials was in 2004 and it was in swimming and I swam the 200 backstroke. I was, I think, 18 years old and I was really, really nervous. You know, it was, and my event was two minutes long, you know, or two minutes and change. Mm -hmm. So 
I, if you went back and told that 18 year old that 16 years later, you were going to be running in the marathon Olympic trials, I would have been like, you're crazy. Cause I thought two minute race was super long. So I think I am trying to just really enjoy this and not put a lot of pressure on myself because there is no real pressure. I mean, I get to run at an amazing race in a city that I love and care for so much and be part of this incredible event. And I'm going to enjoy every single footstep out there, no matter how the day goes. Well, and, and Brent mentioned this and think about that. I mean, you think about an event that's two minutes or so long, and now we're talking about two plus hours. You probably have the greatest range of Olympic trials experiences anybody, but perhaps I would meet, but maybe anybody at all. But you were talking, Brent, when we were doing an errand before this about the way she spent some of her time training. And for those of us who have been here in the South or in Atlanta specifically, we've had a pretty mild, even if wet winter. That wasn't necessarily the case for you. And so when I think of maybe what that predictable training or that buildup period to the Olympic trials race would be, I'm not so sure that was the way you followed to this final stretch to the trials itself. Tell everybody a little bit more about what you've been doing over the last few months. Right. So I live in Bozeman, Montana now. I lived here after college. I did graduate from the University of Georgia and I lived in Atlanta for about 10 years. And this is where I got my start in sport. And to be perfectly honest, coming back in January made me wonder why I ever left because today is pretty beautiful. I was, I was it was a pretty this. nice day. Yes, I do sometimes miss it. So I've been living in Montana now for almost four years and it, it's challenging. Um, the summers are wonderful, but the winters are rough. And uh, we had snow in September this past year and I was training for California International Marathon in December and I do all of my uh, like long runs and aerobic runs outdoors in the snow. And we had some pretty big snowstorms and really cold temperatures in October. And there were definitely days when I, all I could do is run a 12 minute mile. And this was even leading into CIM. So my goal pace for CIM was 615 pace per mile. And I was going out and running 12 minute miles. And my, my coach, Matthew Rose, is here, and I give him a lot of credit because he, I was freaking out a little bit because I'm like, you know, should I be doing more on the treadmill? Should I be going somewhere? Should I be flying to Arizona? Should I be coming to Atlanta? Like, you know what? And he kind of helped me like realize that the effort is what matters and the time on your feet. And I'm actually getting a lot of benefit out of even running in snow. Running in snow, especially deep snow, is kind of similar to running in sand. So people are probably familiar with that, but I, I think it's made me a stronger runner. So I, and I've just gotten a little mentally stronger where the pace of my watch doesn't matter. I can go off of effort a lot. And I think on a course like Atlanta, the trials course, which is going to be hilly, the weather could be unpredictable, that being able to race off of effort rather than necessarily a number. I mean, I'll still, I like the numbers, but um, it, it can be beneficial. Some of those images, Mike, when you saw her training, if you guys uh, don't follow her on, on her Instagram uh, at Haley Chura, you'd see these images and, you know, her, the snow was up to her knees. She, you could barely see her face. And I think it's, it's so great hearing you even talk about some of the training that she was putting herself through that, knowing that she was going to be running at 6.15 and here she is at 12, 13, 14 minute pace, just trudging through the snow. And it was just so awesome. You know, what, what else from a training perspective would you attribute from Bozeman to, to where you are right now with your running? 
So Bozeman's at a little bit of altitude. It's at about 4,500 to 5,000 feet. And I think that helps a little bit. Um, it is hard because your pace is even on the treadmill and my heart rate's a little higher. And I do quite a bit on heart. Like I, I do all, either I'm outside kind of trudging along or I'm on the treadmill where I am actually working on foot speed. So I think that kind of helps just having either those two, you know, one of the two where it just shows that you don't need every session to be perfect. And that has, you know, that's kind of gone over into my racing quite a bit. That if you are just consistent day in and day out and you um, get that work done, it helps. And the other thing about Bozeman is that it's, it's a pretty small town. Um, I think it's like 40,000 people, maybe close to 50,000. So there, we don't have much traffic. <laughs> and I can, um, I bike commute most places, even in the winter. I have a fat bike with studded tires, so I don't drive very much, which is one of the reasons I love it. I ride to the gym. I bring my own fan to the gym because I get hot really, really easy. And so I bring, I bike commute with a fan <laughs> in the and snow. in the snow, <laughs> which, um, so then I get a lot, I mean, your chances of getting hit while you bike commute with a giant backpack is like very slim. I mean, or at least they, they see you. So um, I think those kind of things, just like those little challenges and trying to figure out how to still make it work does pay off on race day. Well, and we talk oftentimes, D2, when we have these truly elite athletes, how much that we can learn that gets applied really to all assets of our life or all aspects of our life. When I think about what you just said in terms of the effort, there's a life lesson there that if we put the effort in, the results will follow. But what you also said is that you were able to adapt, right? You knew that you were on your way to Sacramento. You had a goal pace, and your intent was to make the Olympic trials. But you had to adapt a training routine to where you were. For all of us that right now are thinking, man, I'm not going to get the right weather. I'm not going to be able to, you know, push back on my job enough. I've certainly got to continue to be mindful of my family. What would you just tell us about how to adapt and still make the most of that effort? That is something that I think every athlete in the whole world has, has times when they do have to adapt. I don't think you could be you know, number one in the world, Ilya Kipchoge probably has days where he has to adapt. And so I think that, like you mentioned, life happens, sure. you know, whether it is your job or a kid or even the weather, like it happens and it can happen on race day. And so I, I think my biggest asset is the people around me that I have, I can like talk to about things. Like I mentioned my coach, Matthew, I have some really good friends, my friend Shelly who's here. Like, I mean, it's amazing. Even some of the athletes that I coach, like I've high, I'll just be like, man, today's miserable. And sometimes having a friend tell you something, you know, like, okay, it's just one day. But remember like three days ago, you texted me, you had an amazing run and they remind you of that. And if you don't have those people in your life, sometimes you have to be that person for yourself. So maybe having a training log and being able to like kind of just block out the bad days and go back and look and be like, wow, those were really good days. And then time and experience changes everything. I mean, there are some days now that I thought were really bad. And then I, three weeks down the road, I'm like, hey, that was actually an awesome day, you know? And so I think being able to put things into perspective of like a training block or where you are in life, um, it does, it can really change your whole outlook on how that session went. And, and you, you don't want to be at your very, very best every single day. You want to be at your best on race day. So it's okay to be a little bit slower or a little bit off on other days. That's why we taper. Otherwise, you know, there'd be no point in taper and everyone loves taper, right? <laughs> 
So when we look at some of the things that you're doing now, you're also doing some coaching, and I can almost hear the coach coming out in you. Like you mentioned, Matthew Rose here, our friends from Dynamo Multisport, and that's part of who you are as well. It's not just as that elite athlete. It's also as that resource. It's as that advocate for others, and they may never end up at the start line of the Olympic trials, but they're trying to better themselves. They're trying to be the best that they can be. Where do you find that line, and what is difficult about both being, at the same time, the elite athlete as well as the coach? How do you balance that so well? Oh, I love it because, for the most part, I, I learn from my athletes, but I also can learn from my own experience. and. And I started endurance sport. I mean, I had a big background in swimming, but I started endurance sport very much as an age grouper. I worked in an accounting firm, Bennett Thrasher, here in Atlanta, and I I balanced, you know, or quote unquote balanced, but I, I did. I had a job and I had a career and I wasn't a professional athlete, so I think I can relate in that respect. And then I've just been doing this for, you know, 12 years now I think so I've learned a lot I made mistakes you know and I think that that's one thing I'll give myself a little credit for is that I think I learned from my mistakes pretty well and I am able to kind of experiment on myself a little bit and then kind of be like okay how would this work for one of my athletes and this block I just did where it was running whereas one sport versus doing three which I normally do triathlon taught me a lot because I do coach a few people who are run only and I think it's really hard to realize how hard running is and how hard it is on your body and especially if you are used to doing cycling or you're used to doing swimming where they're non-impact and you can do so much and you have to respect that a 30-minute swim and a 30-minute run are not the same thing, even if your heart rate is the same for both of them. And so I think that's one of the biggest biggest things I could, I've brought from this. And then also the, the stress of going for a time goal, like the Olympic trial standard, is not really any different than going for breaking four hours in the marathon or getting a Boston qualifying time. The same kind of stresses are there. You're, you're still, you are concerned about pace. You are trying to figure out how much mileage can I do when my body can handle it, which is different for every single person. So I think that it really isn't that different. Well, that's good to hear. And, and I know that you'll continue to do that well after your trials days are behind you. This is just kind of part of who you are now. For those who are like, man, I'd love to get more of Haley, make sure you check out dynamomultisport.com. Not only will you learn more about her, certainly you'll learn more about everything that they're up to. So let's go to Sacramento. I mean, obviously you mentioned CIM, California International Marathon. You ran 243 at that race. Obviously you hit the Olympic trials qualifying standard. You hit pretty close to the pace that you had intended. Take us through that race in terms of not just how it came together and what your strategy was and how well you executed it, but the emotion. Like you said, this is kind of a home, maybe a second home for you. And as you kind of run into that last 10K and you're thinking, man, this could happen. And then before you know it, you have a half mile to go and it's going to happen. Give us a sense of what that's like. So I'll go back a little bit to the days before, and I will say that my runs the days before that race were terrible. They felt terrible, and I thought I'd come down from altitude. You know, Sacramento, the weather was pretty great in December. I thought I was just going to feel wonderful, and I felt terrible. I ran for like 30 minutes the day before, and all I could think was, how in the world am I going to run a marathon tomorrow? And even just strides felt terrible. And again, I have some good people I can call, and kind of were like, nope, you've done the work. and 
maybe it will be terrible tomorrow, but you might as well go find out. And so I, I kind of went into it where I was just like, let's just see what happens. And I, um, the start was really crazy because the trials cut, you have to make it by gun time, not by chip time. And I haven't run a standalone running race in a quite a long time. So I was in the like general admission, kind of general entry area. So I was a little bit back from the start and it was like, okay, get across that start as fast as you can because your time started when the gun goes off, not when your chip goes. So that I knew I had, I needed like a 15 second buffer. And, um, and then I also knew that I could not go out too fast. Like that needed to be like the number one thing. And I mentioned my coach here a couple of times, but he had, he had said like, you know, it's better. My goal pace was 615. A lot of that was because it's a pretty easy math in my brain, <laughs> you know, just um, thinking about, you know, like every four miles, you know, just like those kind of just, it was just, the math is a little bit easier and um, breaking it up like that. But I think, um, he was like, okay, it'd be better to see 6.30 rather than six minutes in those first couple miles. So the first miles didn't feel good, but I was like, just hit, you know, 6.15 to 6.30, you know, that kind of thing. And CIM, a lot of people are going for the qualifying time. So I'm running 6.15s and there are like a thousand people ahead of me. Like you are not by yourself, which is very different than a triathlon. I haven't done a major marathon I mean, the last you know major marathon I did was 2008 Atlanta, which wasn't, I don't know if that's like 500 people. There weren't very many people, so I don't even know if you call that. Thanks to Haley for calling that a major marathon. That's the best compliment that that race in 2008 has ever had. It was a good time. That's honestly one of before this, was, that was like one of my favorite marathons. But um, that was a little bit disorienting and hard. And I made the choice to go a little bit ahead of the pace group because they had a 245 pace group, but... I got into it a little bit and it was just so hot and crowded. I was worried about someone tripping me. It was really noisy. And I was just like, I can't quite handle this. So I went a little bit ahead. I was in a little group and I felt pretty bad the first like three to five miles. And I was like, I don't know if I can hold this. Like, especially when you start thinking, hold this for like another 22, <laughs> 23 miles. And, um, and so, but then around like mile 10, I just started to feel really good. And I don't know if it was just took me that long to warm up, and um, but I just started feeling great. And Matthew had said like, don't start pushing until mile 16, I think, if if you feel good, or maybe it was by 18. But so I was like, okay, no, we're still sticking on this. And I went through the half in 121.30, which was a little bit faster than I intended, but I felt I felt good, I felt controlled. And I got to mile 18 when I think he said I could start pushing and I felt, I was like, I don't feel like pushing yet. And so, <laughs> and then I got to mile 19 and I just felt awesome. I just felt so good. And I was like, I'm going to start pushing. And I think I threw down like a 559 mile. Like it was just like, I feel so good. I'm going to like, I'm going to go great. And then I hit mile 21 and I was like, oh no. <laughs> so my really good, my really good, like it lasted about two miles. And then I hit mile 21 and I was like, I just hang on. 615s. That's all you got to do. Like it was a different way of racing because when I raced triathlon, it's all about reacting to people around you. It's about racing and you know trying to catch somewhere, trying to stay ahead. And this was so different where I was like, no, I have to hit a time. Like this is not your race. You gotta get to Atlanta. Like you do not need to prove to anyone that you can run a certain time. You just need to get under 245 because today it doesn't really matter. And um, and so that was what I was telling myself those last couple of miles. And I did 
I ate seven gels during a marathon as long and during the noon endurance, which I think is quite a bit of calories. And two of those gels I took in the last five miles. And I probably brought that over from triathlon that if there's ever, if you ever start feeling like at all like bad, you eat something. And so I was, I was like going through and I was like, give me the gels, you know, and I think, I think that helped me hang on for those last couple of miles. And I, I, when you talk about, you know, half mile to go, I was like, telling myself, I'm like, okay, the math is right. Like I can make this, but then I'm also like, you know, I can run like a four minute half mile and I can do that. That's eight minute pace and I can do it, but you still, you don't know until you cross the line. I was like, when I crossed the line, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I did it. You know, it was crazy. So, and then it was, you know, where's my phone? I need to call everyone I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So then, yeah, that was pretty exciting. And then starting to plan my trip here, which like you said, is so special to be able to be in Atlanta, which is a city that's so special to me. It's just, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. That's awesome. For anybody in our studio audience that has a question, certainly feel free. We do have an extra mic. Would love to hear from you as well. If you are on Facebook Live right now, certainly feel free to pound in a question and we will get to that as well. In the meantime, I'm going to remind everybody of a couple of things that Haley said while you think of your question, because I think it's worth teasing out, perhaps really filing away, and especially for those of you who either are or know relatively novice athletes. The first thing that landed on me, instead of bailing because of whatever it might be, life or the weather or so many other things that many of us know, adapt. What an awesome lesson, not just for training, but also for life. And then whether we're new to the sport or whether it's our first race since 2008, since the major marathon in Atlanta, like London and Berlin and obviously Chicago or New York here in the States, but whether it's a major marathon or your first 5K, the reality is that the last couple of days of your taper might not feel that good. The first few miles or the first few steps, they may not feel that good. But my goodness, do not feel like the story has been fully written because it can turn around and what an awesome final chapter you wrote in Sacramento and the way you felt when you were grabbing your phone ready to tell everybody all about it. So do not forget that. I know I will not. Anybody in our audience here have a question for Haley before Brent or I or D2 end up asking her some questions that she may or may not be ready for. Well, before we take it out there, it's been mentioned a couple times now, Haley. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody else in this field of almost or more than 800 runners that have qualified in two sports. If I told you you could only take one, if you could only do the swimming trials or the marathon trials, which one would you take? Oh, that's not fair. I was that's, like, the, that's the difference between somebody who's known you a long time. I would have never asked that, <laughs> right? I'm just getting to know you. I don't want to put you on. It, it's, nice, it, is, I it, love is, it. it is incredible, and I think it speaks to the athlete that you are, the caliber of athlete that you are. And when you think about these, these runners that are all coming to Atlanta, this is the 1% of the 1%. And the fact that you've done it in two sports is incredible. And, you know, it, I think it'd be fun just personally as a friend. If I, if I tell you to get one, which one do you take? That's a really, that's a tough question because it's such different points in my life. 18 versus 34 um, is quite, quite the difference. I mean, I'm going to say I'm going to live in the present. Like I want to run the marathon, you know, I want to be in Atlanta and I want to run in front of my friends on my hometown. It's, you know, it's been quite the journey um, the last, you know, 16 years since then. And I do think there's a nice thing about getting older in that you appreciate things more, and I think I am appreciating this chance of running the trials a little bit more than I did when I was 18. We're going to let you have both, I mean, we're, but we just... You just for, <laughs> you're going to go back in the record books <laughs> and cross it out. It, it, it is, and I'm sure there's tons of stories out of this, this group of runners that, you know, that come here, but I, I, 
again, as a friend and as a fan, I think it's incredible of what you've been able to accomplish from 18 to 34 to be able to, to, be able to say that you've qualified in two sports is incredible. You, something else that you hit on, uh, you, you, as you said, you brought some things over from your triathlon days of grabbing two gels in the last five miles. I'm sure some runners that are, that are going to listen to this or that are sitting here in the studio audience will go, two gels in the last five miles, that's wild. But, you know, are, are there any other things that, you know, that you took from the, from the Sacramento race that you're thinking about for the trials of if I get into that spot or if I struggle through those first 10 miles, you know, whether it's a triathlon thing, just what else might you pull over as you think through, the, think through that race on the 29th? So I think the course in Atlanta, I mean, most people here have probably run courses in Atlanta. I think they are probably more similar to a triathlon course than some running courses. When it's hilly, when the weather could be crazy, it, it doesn't come down to time. You have to know your effort. You have to know perceived exertion. You have to know your body. And because you can have a really good day and be running not as fast. And, um, and you have to also be ready to like, okay, I'm going up a hill and I'm running slower, but that doesn't freak me out because I know I'm going to push it when I get on the descent. So I think that that's one really good thing that I have going for me is that I just, I know my, I know what my body can do. And then I also, I've done a lot of races in very, very hot conditions. And so that probably will help in case it's really hot. I've done a lot, I've done some races in hail and rain and really cold conditions. And I think that can help. So I think this course in Atlanta or any course in Atlanta, the Publix Marathon, the Publix Half Marathon, it, you know, triathletes are gonna have a little bit of an upper hand or anyone who's put themselves in positions of doing really hard courses will have an upper hand. So the advice to the crowd here and the advice to everybody listening, of course, is find major U.S. road marathons on hilly courses with adverse weather and put yourself through it. <laughs> and you'll learn something when you get to the easy course. And I'm paraphrasing yeah. a little bit, but yeah, it's close enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, CIM, I went to CIM for the purpose because it is known for, it is good conditions, like good weather conditions. It's a net downhill course and it has really good competition. A lot of people going for qualifying times of various qualifying times and so I think there is a time and place to do a fast course and try for it but there's also something nice to uh, you know doing a race like CIM and knowing that you're not going to turn the corner and be going up Hogpen Gap I mean it's there you know it is kind of nice so when you start to struggle when I hit that mile 21 you know mile marker and I'm I say I'm struggling it was it, I've had way way worse struggles so it's like it was one of those things I'm like I did definitely think about that. Like I've definitely been in positions where I felt worse and I'm like, are you held on? So you're gonna hold on now. You're gonna hold on these last five miles, even though you don't feel perfect, you can hold on. Because again, you don't have uh, a major, you know, hill coming up and it's not raining and it's perfect and you're, you're good. So obviously everybody could say, well, this would be my ideal day just for the clock. But when you think about all of the high quality, truly world-class athletes that will be here, but knowing that what you said is true in late February, early March, in and around Atlanta, you can get anything in terms of weather. So just in terms of you versus the competition, what would you say is the ideal day to give Haley as much of an advantage as possible? You train in knee-deep snow. Yeah, you're I was going to say like 12 inches of snow. So you've got unbelievable <laughs> range. What would be that ideal weather day just versus you being perhaps more ready than anybody else who chose the start line? I'd probably say I prefer cold. I would prefer cold and rain and just really miserable, which again, I'm sure most people, especially the people who are plenty of spectating would not like that. Um, any kind of hard conditions are probably going to favor me just because 
I think that then it becomes more of a mental game. When you think about Boston, I think, what was it, 2017 when, or 2018 when it was like that crazy downpour, that would probably be my ideal day. And I will be suffering as much as anyone. Like, but I do think I suffer better than the average human. So um, that would probably be my ideal. But that said, I wouldn't be sad if it's perfect conditions. You know, if it's like, 50 and just clear and just a beautiful day and there's lots of spectators. I won't be sad. Like I said, I could, no matter what happens, I hopefully, I, you know, intend to be enjoying every single step out there. Um, and whether that, you know, somehow puts me in a really good position or if I'm like trying to like looking for the sweep behind me, I'm still going to appreciate that I'm getting to run on these, this historic race with this historic field and on this incredible road that has, you know, these roads that have meant so much to me the last, you know, my adult life, and I'm just gonna appreciate that. Well, I, I have to ask because, you know, again, what we try to do oftentimes is not just talk about the training and just talk about what the success stories are on the road or, or in the competition, but you mentioned briefly your career, as it would be called, prior to 2013 and making a decision. And as an entrepreneur and as all of us can appreciate, there are sometimes we just come to a crossroads where we really have to determine who are we? And are we going to answer that calling? And it's really tough. It's difficult, right? It's sometimes not prudent to end up following what we believe is best for us or what we were meant to do. But you ended up making the decision and putting yourself on a different path, which would have been difficult, really difficult for a lot of people to make that same decision. So instead of just talking about what a, an elite athlete you are, take us to that moment in your life where you just said, gosh, triathlon and doing this, really doing this, committing myself to it was what just had to be done. Yeah, that was, it was a big moment and it's still hard and I think it's still difficult. I still wonder sometimes like, oh, I should have stayed in public accounting. I wonder what I'd be doing then if I had stayed, which I know sounds crazy, but I loved my job. I, I, I did love it, but I, again, I had some really good advisors who kind of helped me see the big picture and realize that triathlon, professional triathlon, it has a timeline, you know, it, and yes, you could say public accounting, it has a timeline. Like it's, it's fun to be like a boss of someone when you're like 26 or something, you know, like telling people what they have to do is really fun. I miss it. But, um, but I think that I did, I did have some really good advisors in my life who helped keep, help me keep that in perspective where, you know, give this a try. It's okay to try it. And it, you know, you probably can go back. And again, I'm really thankful for my firm because they, they, you know, the partners were very supportive of me and they thought it was really cool what I was doing. And that made things a little bit easier. And even now, like when I look back, I, I have this world map in my garage that has like, you know, pins, all the places that I've raced. And so if I'm starting to have like a down day, I look at that and I'm like, you wouldn't have been able to go there. I mean, I've been to Iceland and, you know, Patagonia and China and, you know, Brazil. I did, yeah, Brazil. I mean, these incredible places that I wouldn't have realized were so incredible if I hadn't been there. And that's kind of a cool thing that sport has taken me to those places. And, and then the people I've met. I mean, that's the other thing I can go through. If I like go through my phone and my contacts and I'm like, oh my goodness, I know these people. I have their phone number even. <laughs> I could text them right now. You know, like that's pretty cool. Like, and just people I really, really admire. So I think um, it, it is hard. It's really hard. And it's probably not the right choice for everyone, but 
there are a lot, there's a lot of good that has come from that. And I'm, you know, I, I could go back into the business world. I don't think that that is, I'm like, close that door. Like, you know, totally, I will never ever do that again. And that's, that's kind of a nice thing to have as well. But I do think I've learned so much because of this that, even if I went back to being an auditor, yes, I might have a 26-year-old boss, but I will be better than I was before. <laughs> so I, ha I have a question. So, you know, the, the Olympic Marathon trials, I mean, most everyone there has got a background, and it's been one sport. It's been just running. You've got three sports, and you're a professional athlete, you know, doing those three sports. It had to take some, a little bit of courage, I think, and, and a leap of faith to say, I'm going for it. I'm going. What was that like? What was that thought process? What was it that got you and said, I'm going for it. I'm going to qualify for the Olympic marathon trials in Atlanta. Well, so the person who put it in my head the first time was Shelly, my friend Shelly who's here. She, she, um, I think she texted me, it was like a year ago or a year and a, like a year and a month ago and just asked me if I thought I could do it because there was so much hype over so many women qualifying. And she asked like, do you think you could run a 245 marathon? And at the time, my, my PR off the bike in an Ironman is a 308. And I said, no way. <laughs> like, that's a big leap. And, and, but it got in my head, and I, I did a little Googling, and I realized that you, you had until January 2020 to qualify. And I was like, that's a year. I knew that my A race for 2019 was the half Ironman World Championships, which were in early September. So I think it was around January, I kind of floated the idea to my coach. And I was like, what do you think about this? And, and a big part of that was because it was in Atlanta. And so I know I did not grow up with this being my all time goal, but realizing it's going to be a historic race, realizing I wanted to be there, realizing it's in Atlanta, it just was like, I want to be there, or at least I want to have tried to be there. And I think I caught Matthew a little off guard because it was a little off, off, you know, it was out of the box and not a normal goal for me. And, um, but he gave it some thought and he's like, no, I think this is a good idea. And I did that race. I did the 70.3 world championships in September and it didn't, it didn't go super well. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but I finished 26th, which was not my goal. And I, I didn't feel fulfilled from that race. And there was a part of me that was like, I need to do another triathlon. I need some redemption. And Matthew really kind of helped me keep focus. And it was like, 245 is going to be really hard. And if you really want this, like, you, you do need to commit. And, and that was good. I needed that clarification right then because it was really hard. And I had, I, I again, my best time was a, that, you know, 2008, my last major marathon was a, I think like a 323. So it was going for a pretty big PR, but my half Ironmans had been really good. My half, half marathon times had off the bike had been really good. So I believed I could do it, but it was a leap of faith. And there were definitely moments during that training when I was like, I don't know if I can do it. Is this, is this a silly goal? Should I be doing what more of my sponsors want me to be doing? You know, and I think that a couple, again, I have, I this kind of keep going back to the circle of people I have around me who kind of do help me keep in mind that life is what's important. You know, like in the grand scheme of my life, what are the things I'm going to look back on? And is it another half, half Ironman that I just did because I could make some money or is it a chance to run in the Olympic trials in Atlanta 16 years after my first Olympic trials in front of all my friends and family here I, I mean when you put it in that way it's like okay let's do it um, that's incredible you, you hit something or you just said something that I want to kind of 
give you a little platform, but you talked about just the excitement around so many women qualifying for the U.S. Uh, Olympic marathon trials. You have a podcast focused on women in sport. You do a lot in terms of promoting women participation in sport. You know, what would you tell that young up and coming Haley Chur? What would you want to share with them about as they think about what they could be of a public accountant or a pro triathlete or, you know, what would you tell yourself at 16 or, or 18? I think it is, it is fascinating. I think what has happened with this Olympic trials, because I never ever would have gone for a 245 if it wasn't for that being an Olympic trials standard. And so I think that, and, and, and kind of seeing so many people going for it and making it. And there is something about seeing people who are, you know, not so different than you that are, you know, they aren't elite runners. They have jobs, they have kids and which I, you know, I don't have kids, but I can relate to the, the time balance or, you know, that people with constraints on their, on their schedules going for this big goal and some of them making it and some of them not making it. And so I guess, I guess that would be, you know, to, to my younger self, I would say like, don't limit yourself. Like, you know, like set big goals, like goals that are scary that you might not make because there's plenty of times that I haven't made my goals. I mean, there are plenty of times we don't do podcasts about them, but, um, but you know, there are times that you don't make goals and, and it's okay. You know, it's okay. You get, you learn from that and then you, you find another thing, but if you do make it, it can be so good. And so I think that is, that's what I've learned is that it's okay to set big goals and, um, try things, you know, and, and people like, even when you think you don't have a safety net, like when you have those bad days, yes, you might not be doing a podcast, but you have someone on the phone that you can talk to who will, you know, listen to you about your bad day. And that sometimes that's just as good. I think that's awesome. I'm, I'm not listening to any podcasts about public accountants. No offense to any of them out there. But, um, you know, it's been fun, you know, to watch you on this journey and to watch the incredible leaps that you've taken. And it's exciting just to see the, the incredible progress you've made as a female athlete, as a you know, female business woman and everything that you're doing. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Well, that's true. And now we maybe have to do a podcast where we just get a panel together and we just put all of our failures out there, <laughs> yes. you know, where we just bonked, where the whole thing just came apart. Oh, I, got torpedo. I was going to say, we're, we've got that, the, that should have been the intro instead of just rattling off all our accomplishments. We could have thrown out all the, all the failures and then gotten to the triumphs. They're later. tough to find, but with the relationship, you, she might've given you a few and it'd been like, this is the person who DNF'd here. And this was the person who ended up, <laughs> yes. you know, 26 when the plan was podium. Yeah. That would've been an awesome way to start. I don't know if anybody would've stuck around, but it would've been an awesome <laughs> intro. So Haley, before I let you go, we have to go through, we're doing this with all of our trials qualifiers that we have. But for those of you who are listening in, just gosh, you gotta have more Haley. Brent mentioned the podcast, Iron Woman podcast, certainly we would endorse that check it out for sure also HaleyChura.com. learn more about her story part of what totally amped me up was that part where you had to make the decision and I think you're right when you've got that choice if you're a public accountant should you turn pro as a triathlete probably not but what you should do is follow your dreams because she proves that it ultimately is worth it. But the questions that I'm going to ask, nothing to do about dreams, nothing to do about accomplishments. We are readying these athletes for Atlanta. You have a bit of a head start. So if at the end of the day, Jared Ward or Molly Huddle or Brittany Charbonneau end up with more correct answers. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. So here we go. 
in Atlanta, professional sports, we have all kinds of professional sports teams. What was the last Atlanta-based professional sports team to win its respective championship? The soccer team. That counts, I think, is a correct answer. Atlanta United. One for one. All right, excellent. At this point, she has it right. That is indeed correct. In 2018, the Atlanta United won the MLS Cup. All right, next question. 1996, Olympic Games, of course, Centennial Olympic Games here in Atlanta. Olympic Stadium was ultimately converted to a baseball stadium that bared the name of the founder of CNN and a media magnet. Who was that person who had... I'm, I, live in, I live in Montana. This one's super easy. Oh, Ted that's Turner. true. The largest. Ted Turner. We did. We ended up. So these are the he's same like questions. He's like my neighbor, but he's everyone in Montana's neighbor because he owns half the state. I was going to say, I had the largest landowner perhaps in the U.S. and certainly in the state of Montana. So it wasn't rigged in your favor, but I'm glad you're two for two. For those of you who are like, man, should I tune into that episode on February 3rd? I'll give it away. That Brittany Charbonneau, I don't think this was part of her comedy routine. Her answer was Walter Cronkite. So... <laughs> Already you're doing better, so we'll see how Jared and Molly do. Okay, so I'm guessing you won't have much time for spectating when you're out there on the 29th. But there are landmarks that are going to be on the course. Of course, it has been a really historic course that has been meant to showcase the city to the athletes. I'm going to give you three landmarks in Atlanta. I want you to tell me all of them that are on the course. First of all, National Park does something for MLK, Martin Luther King Jr., who was born in Atlanta. That may be one of them. There's also the 39th president of the United States, Jimmy Carter. He has a presidential library like all presidents do in their home state. That might be on the course. And perhaps the greatest novel, some would say, ever written about the South, Gone with the Wind. It was written by Margaret Mitchell. Where it was written, that might be on the course. Which of those landmarks are on the course? Oh, this is hard because they changed it. And I feel like... I, I'm going to think, I think the they cut out Margaret Mitchell qualifying for the trials House. is hard. You're used to hard. I'm going to go with MLK. I mean, that's, I'm going to go with, that's what I'm going, I, we don't go up by the Carter Library. Very well. So, so you're right about MLK. And oh, you're right about do? the presidential, no, you're right about oh, that. Okay. So you do go by the uh, National Park. Okay. You do not go by. Carter. Carter. Okay. What about the Margaret Mitchell House? I think on the new course, no. I thought we don't go by it anymore. Man, I have not uh, done my research. Now I'm willing I to admit they changed that, it. that last no. time I checked that we, you were still oh, going by I, it. Maybe I'm wrong. No, we'll have to check yeah. between last now time, and our conversation yeah. with last Jared. Last time I checked, it goes all the way up Peachtree up to Peachtree Circle, which is just before the 85. So you would go by oh, so we're you go by it. We're giving okay. you credit for Thank two you. answers for sure. <laughs> and then if our research oh, well. department, no, our really in-depth research department tells us differently, <laughs> we'll come back to you and award you the third point. All right. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Thank you so much for being part of this. Ladies and gentlemen, and give it up for Haley Chura. <laughs> and the last question that I'm going to ask you as we go to a break, and this is the one that is perhaps most important. We are so proud of the fact that we get to host you and all of the Olympic trials qualifiers. What would you tell all of the citizens and everyone who will be in Atlanta for the trials, what we can do to better welcome you and make your day special on February 29th? I love cheers. Um, you can cheer, go Haley. You can cheer, Go Haley Chura. You can just say, go girl. I mean, you can say whatever you want. I like cheers. So cheers are what I like the most. So yeah, just go with that. <laughs> there it is. Make sure you put that on your list of things to do on February 29th. And we'll be right back after this brief message. Get your feet into the all new Saucony Endorphin Pro. 
available exclusively at our Big Peach Midtown location on February 27th and 28th. Using speed roll geometry, these carbon plated shoes deliver a pop at toe off to help you feel fast. The ultralight power run PB cushioning combined with a track spike inspired upper means this shoe was designed to go fast. Make plans to purchase the Saucony Endorphin Pro on February 27th as quantities are limited until the national release in June. And welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast D2. We just need to do that more often. How cool is it to sit down, have a big peach ale from our friends, you already mentioned, at Wild Heaven Brewing, who will be joining us, of course, the morning of the Olympic trials. But to be able to just sit down, have conversation, maybe have a cold beer with these Olympic trials qualifiers, our friends, and just learn so much about each other. I think we had a cool idea as it came to sometime just talking about our failures and recognizing that all of us are usually better when we get past those. But Haley gave us so much to think about. We're not done being around her. And I can tell you, I am now perennially a big fan of hers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I've been involved in the kind of triathlon world for, for a couple of years. So I was familiar with the name Haley uh, Chura. And it, I, mean, I never met her. I knew that she had a connection to Atlanta. And, and she trained here for, for a good bit. So it was good to kind of put the name and the face together. And she is just a phenomenal person. Just the training that she's doing and the snow and all that. I'm like, we've got no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Well, and she's going to spend more time in Atlanta. Of course, it won't be the last time people have a chance to connect with her. For those who did miss that Facebook alive event, have enjoyed this conversation. You just heard with her. She's coming back. She's going to give us a little bit more access to her even before the big race. Right. Yeah. So uh, Haley is part of this iron woman podcast and it's something that, you know, they're bringing and doing a lot event um, on February 26th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Um, And we'll provide a link. It's uh, at the Oxworks Business Club, which is kind of like in the East Atlanta Village area. And it's just going to be another kind of, you know, primarily for women. And just their podcast is all about supporting women and just women in sport and, um, you know, that event is, is, will be recorded live as a podcast, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'll be there as well, providing technical support based on what we were able to do for this uh, interview. So I'm excited about that. And, you know, they'll have, um, you know, some really, uh, I guess, within the Iron Woman's, you know, you know podcast, we've got uh, Alyssa Gadeski as one of the featured pal- panelists, Sarah Bishop, Ruth Brennan, Maury, and um, Anne Haley will be part of that, along with um, Sarah Gross, who is, you know, you know a, mul- a multiple Ironman, you know, champion, winner, and, you know, kind of leads the, the charge with all these women's and just promoting women in sport. Awesome. Well, check that out. And if you're not already part of our tribe on Facebook or on social, please give us that opportunity. We bring you many good things, not just that Facebook Live that we did. D2, we are doing this every single week. That does not change, just as a way to say goodbye, but not for too long. Next up, Molly Huddle, easily one of the favorites on the women's side next week on the release that Monday that happens on February 24th. Molly Huddle will be our featured conversation. She'll help get us all ready for those last few days before the trials themselves, perhaps for many people before their own big race as part of the Publix Georgia Marathon and Half Marathon. So we will not be gone long. But as we always say, as we certainly mean for but just one week, we will see you soon. In the meantime, may your best miles be those covered on foot. 
Shalom.